Hi, I'm Rick Lambert, and if you work with a Gen Z, you're hiring Gen Zs, training Gen Zs, you're going to like today's marketing show, and I'll tell you why, is because we've got an awesome guest, Professor Scott Hubert, who heads up the digital marketing program. He's the coordinator for Fanshawe College, the Kinlan School of Business. Great guy, just so you know. And when I talk to business leaders, Cheryl, they say, hey, I can't figure out how to you know, attract, hire, and retain these things called Gen Zs. They're kind of like Rubik's Cubes, and I know you've got a few that work for you, Cheryl. Any thoughts on today's topic? I'm excited to hear, Scott, your thoughts. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. you. We've collaborated together on, on various projects over the months and the years. And yeah, you know, it's, it's fantastic bringing in new talent all the time. And I think the whole game has changed quite a bit. Not, not just because of the remote workspace that a lot of us are still finding ourselves in, but just what are students coming out of school today looking for? So um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on what you're hearing behind the scenes where you are. No, I'll sure. do my best. I've, I've got Gen Zs or Gen Zs in my classroom. I've got three of them in my house. So I'll try my best to see if I can answer these questions. Well, Scott, we were warned by the Gen Zs on our team on today's topic. Today's show should be 30 seconds, no longer. And That's oh, right. by the way, we should do the whole show, like looking at our phones, like kind of paying attention to you. So anyway, no offense to Gen Zs. If you're All watching. the Gen Zs stopped listening five seconds ago anyway, Rick. So <laughs> you see what I mean? So Scott, you've coached hundreds of, Gen, hundreds of Gen Zs. And for those of you that are wondering what's a Gen Z, it's someone that's up to, you know, they're born kind of mid to late 90s. So they're in around 24 years, up to 24 years old right now. Uh, I love their creativity. They think of things differently. You've coached hundreds of them. Um, what have you say, seen, may I ask, from a professor standpoint, a coach, the change in the students over the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years coming into today's Gen Z generation? Yeah, there's, there's probably a number of things. Like they're, they're similar to the millennials. Like the millennials are probably like mid 20s to even late 30s now or mid 30s. Um, very similar in terms of their, they embrace technology, they love technology, but Gen Zs are probably even more technologically advanced, if you can say that. Like, I think I read once where millennials got their, um, most of them had a cell phone by like age 12. And I think for the Gen Zs, it was even earlier than that. So it's not that they embrace technology, just technology is everything. It's like every part of their life. They're on this thing for five or six hours a day, uh, this phone. And, and you made the comment about, we should be looking at our phones. Like I can tell funny stories about in the classroom where over the last you know five years or, or maybe even slightly longer than that, you know, I've had those issues where I've gone up to a kid sitting in row three saying, uh, put your phone away. We're in the middle of class. And he's like, I'm just taking notes, sir. Saying he's got, he's got his notepad there or, you know, some, some group of students doing a presentation at the front of the room. And I say to the kid on the end, put your phone away. And they're like, but I've got my speaking notes right here, sir. You know? And so they, they just use this thing. And I think even more than millennials, Gen Z's look at you like, what do you mean? Like put my phone away or where have you been? Like, this is just sort of part of me now. And it's, it's become just part of everything they do. I also think that they've you know, that the cell phone and the social media and all that stuff has created this group of uh, students and, and, and kids that are, you know, the social gratification and the instant gratification are really driving forces. So that instant gratification of, I need to get an answer on something like within seconds. And I, I expect to have that answer within seconds, or, you know, we see that transcend itself into our classrooms where students will literally submit an assignment, Rick, they'll submit like a 10 page assignment. And literally two hours later, they're wondering why it hasn't been graded yet, because they expect that instant feedback, that instant gratification on something they've done. And I, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of who they are. Um, and I think they also have that the social gratification is important too, or, or, or uh, very prevalent in this group. They, they not only want to achieve certain things like get their diploma or, you know, complete a LinkedIn learning course or a salesforce.com badge or whatever it is. They want to then post it on all their channels and show all their friends and say, look at me, this is me, you know, they need that like feedback from their peer group and friends. So gratification generally, but really instant gratification and social gratification are driving forces. Um, I just want to add a quick point, uh, Rick, for your next question, because, you know, we just onboarded on, on my team, two new individuals, Scott, that, you know, not, some of them don't even live here in London. And one of the questions I always ask is, what do you need from your leader? And I've seen that answer change quite a bit over the last few years. And, and what I'm hearing a lot more now is I want to be told when I'm doing something well. 
And, you know, I, yeah. it's just, it's interesting to me because in, you know, like five, 10 years ago, I heard a lot of, you know, I really want constructive feedback on what I can do better. And I'm really hearing now people saying, please tell me when I've done a good job. I need that pat on the back. Um, and I need to know that I'm doing well. Right. And we, you know, we've talked about, you know, and Rick, you and I talked about sports analogies before and coaching analogies and, you know, in management, we frequently talk about coaching analogies and you're right, Cheryl, that this generation needs a lot more of the attaboy. You're doing a good job. And as you think about, and I think this question is going to come a little bit later, but we're kind of there now, but I think as you think about how to motivate or how to reach this group, that coaching and mentorship and, and feedback and just letting them know that they're doing a good job and what their role is and where they fit in are, are fundamentally important for this group, maybe more so than previous generations. Mm -hmm. You know, as old schoolers, uh, you know, we used to wait to the annual awards banquet uh, for recognition, but I think, you know, they need a pat on the back. I'm not sure about uh, suggestive slash criticism, but, um, you know, Scott, what about um, like when I talk to business leaders are like, hey, these guys are like Rubik's Cubes. Like, I can't figure these, this generation out. And so, you know, you and I have talked and that's why I was looking forward to having you on today. You're yeah. in the classroom with them. So you're seeing them in the incubator, we'll call it. And by the way, for you folks, Fanshawe College, the Kingland School of Business, we're great partners with. Scott's allowed us to coach their people on LinkedIn to step them up off of, or in addition to, I should say, Snapchats and all those things. I think you guys do a great job of getting them ready. But as you talk to these students and they're looking at prospective employers, like what are they looking for? So if I'm an employer watching right now, I'm saying, hey, am I lined up my landing strip properly for a Gen Z? Yeah, I think, I think there's a bunch of different things. I think, uh, we, you know, we've had some conversations about this, you and I, in the past year or so. And I think, you know, that the fact that technology is part of their life, they look to you as a, an organization, maybe a leading organization in your field, to, you should be embracing technology too. And you should be using tech, the latest technology. And you should be up on what technological trends are out there and what's going on. And I think, you know, think about your hiring process. And if your hiring process isn't using technology, it might just send that indirect message to them that you're not as technologically savvy as maybe they are. So, you know, you know, that hiring process, is it online? Do you accept their resumes online? Do you interview online? Do you use Zoom or WebEx or Teams or whatever it is you want to, what platform you want to use? Is it online, right? They, they want that process to be kind of online too, because they feel that you should be there. Uh, if you're not there, if you're not, if, if, you know, I think the perception is you're a dinosaur if you're not as technologically advanced as they are kind of thing. So technology becomes a huge uh, uh, issue for them. I think, I think they want flexibility. I, and I, it's funny, you know, the pandemic over the last 12 or 15 months has forced us all into this working remotely and we all have to be more flexible. And, but I think if, if we can wind back the clocks like 15 months before the pandemic hit us here in North America, I think these Gen Zs were, they were ready for that remote work or flexible work. They were ready for that well before the pandemic. I think my age group, we were sort of forced into this thing and some of us went kicking and screaming maybe at times, but I think they were ready for it a year ago. And I think they're even more ready for it now. Like sign me up. I, I can work from home. I can sit on my back porch and I can get all my work done and I'm productive. And you know, they value that flexibility or remoteness that is kind of becoming very common for us today. Um, I think they also look for, uh, you know, inclusive and diverse workplaces or workforces. And I think this generation, you know, more than any other generation, they're, they're more diverse, right? If we look at Canadian data or, or North American data, including the U.S., they're more of a diverse generation in terms of their, their makeup, their, their demographic makeup. And I think they expect where they go to work is going to be inclusive in this diverse environment because, you know, they've been told all their lives and, and, and rightly so that that's going to make your workforce stronger. That's going to make your team stronger. That's going to make you more creative, more dynamic. So they expect to see that, I think, in their workforce. And I think the inclusivity part, I think, you know, I, I think even at age 23, and you've probably experienced this, Cheryl and Rick, when you've hired people, even at age 23, they expect that they're going to be included in the, the process. I'm going to be included in the decision-making and what our strategy is. And I don't care that I don't have 30 years experience like you, Rick, like my opinion, my schooling, my training, my thoughts are valuable. And I want to be included in that process. And I think, you know, my generation, I'm 53. I think 
you know, when we started work, it was, you know, sometimes we were in meetings where we were basically told, yeah, we don't want to hear what your thoughts are. You're just kind of here to sit and observe. And I think the Gen Zs are graduating thinking, no, I have a lot to share and I want to be part of the decision-making process. So those are a few things that jumped to mind anyway. Those are really good points, Scott. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, on the technological being savvy platform, not me, um, I have, you know, strengths elsewhere and I'm, I'm completely honest with them right from day one. I say, you guys need to teach me. Um, and I think sometimes they like that. Um, there's times they don't, but I'll say, you know, like you guys like help me in that area and, and I'll help you in these areas. And the decision-making thing is huge. Um, I always, as much as possible, involve our team in decisions. So I'll say, Hey guys, this is what I'm leaning towards in this area. What do you think? And I will tell you nine times out of 10, I'll change my decision based on what it is that they've come to the table with. And I've not thought of, right. So it's having that different perspective. Um, one of the things that I'm reading a lot about and, and learning a lot about is the fact that first of all, 91% of millennials will say, I don't know so much about Gen Z, but they look for a job pretty much every three years. So right. they're, they're happy for three years. And then they're like, okay, I want to look elsewhere. So what can businesses, all businesses do to face this sort of perceived advantage of job hopping? Because that is kind of what it is um, and retain talent. Because I know when I first came out of school, it was stay at that role as long as you can learn as much as you can before you move on. It doesn't look good on resumes. If you're hopping from job to job to job, that's completely different now. Um, it, yeah. It's a tough one. You know, it's funny. I read a little bit about that, you know, yesterday, cause I knew we were doing this today. And you know, I think it's maybe a bit early to judge the Gen Z's fully on that. There's, there's actually some articles that suggest, unlike millennials, they might be looking for a little bit more stability in their employment, but I think it's maybe too early because they're just a few years out of university or college. But I, yeah, what do you do to attract them? You, you want to invest in that employee, right, Cheryl? You want to invest your time, your effort, train them, but you're doing that because you want them to stay for a few years and to grow inside the organization. And that's the, the conundrum I think a lot of businesses see. I think, you know, if we think about some of the stuff we just talked about, like what their makeup is, you know, think about social gratification. You know, I've got three Gen Z's in my house and they can't, you know, they can't go to the park and jump in the kayak with their friends without posting pictures for all their social media followers to see, hey, I went kayaking today. So I think if that's important to them, maybe as organizations, you know, think about pre-pandemic, you would see people on LinkedIn, right, Rick, posting pictures of here we are at our company barbecue, here we are at our company volleyball tournament, here we are at our company happy hour with Zoom pictures, right? So what are you doing to make them feel like it's a social experience and they can share that with their network? Um, instant gratification, you know, I was talking to a colleague the other day about this and I said, you know, we, we think about roles and if they want to change roles, part of that is they want to feel they've achieved something and have that career advancement. And I said, well, what if you as an organization took a, let's say that introductory role, that sales analyst role, where you expected someone to come in and spend two to three years, get to know your business, get to know your industry before they moved on. What if you took that role and made it a junior sales analyst role and a senior sales analyst role, two roles, but same function inside your org. But after 18 months or 24 months, you say to that person, hey, we're going to give you a couple thousand dollars extra and we're going to promote you to senior sales analyst. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, that's the stepping stone or laddering they want to see in their career. So maybe we just need to rethink how we promote people and what a, a career path looks like inside our organization. That might have been simplistic, but maybe we can think about some things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think you, you alluded to that feedback. I think coaching and development is very important. Uh, they want to see where where do I fit inside the organization? Where's my role? Why do we do what we do? What good are we providing? And I think some of that is setting up coaching and mentoring so that you can show them, you know, and, and help them figure out what we do and why we do it and where they fit kind of thing. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, there's a bunch of nuggets in there, hopefully, that um, you can craft a few things from. That, that's super helpful, Scott. And, you know, one thing that I'll say, too, is, you know, we often get or I often get asked the question of what does your organization do from a value perspective? So what do you value within the community? Like, do you are you helping, you know, organizations, charities? So what is it that matters to the organization, which is a difficult question to answer if you don't know that. But certainly I noticed 
that is a question that comes up during interviews. Yeah, social causes is very um, predominant with this Gen Z. It was for millennials a bit too, but for Gen Zs, they, they do want to know stuff like, you know, what are you doing for the environment? What local charities are you involved in? You know, what's your organization's mission or what's your sense of community? I think they want to feel that. Um, we talk to our students about this in my class and Rick's come in to talk to my students before, but, you know, I, we talk to them about uh, their LinkedIn profile or their resume and, you know, many of them, uh, they have a lot of that stuff. Like they volunteer at the CIBC Walk for the Cure. They volunteer for the Terry Fox Run or they volunteer in the local animal shelter. And, and now we're getting them to actually promote that stuff on their LinkedIn profile. It's important to them. And now they're actually, I think, starting to show some of that stuff and they're starting to look for it in employers too. For part sure. of their branding. It's part of their personal branding. 100%. My only question is, are they still teaching how to tell time? Uh, because I found the odd Gen Z, when we say we started 830, uh, tends to think that 842, 846, 839, it's okay. And I actually went to the extent that this is not for you Gen Z viewers to listen to, but if you're a business owner, I did a little calculation that showed one Gen Z one time, hey, if you're 20 minutes late a day, which is what I was dealing with over the course of the year, it's like two weeks extra vacation. Anyway, it didn't go over too well, but no. um, I'm still trying to figure them out myself. And it you know, Rick, you're hundred percent right. We'll have a class that starts at say 8 a.m. And I'll have students walk in at 8.07, 8.11. And I'll actually, I've actually said to students, uh, you're late. And they look at you like, I'm not late. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, just because the first digit on the clock is the right digit, the other two are wrong. You're late, right? But they, I think they perceive, no, I'm, I'm okay. Maybe it's that, you know, we've told them all their lives that they can achieve anything and they're great. And, you know, they got participation trophies instead of championship trophies. And maybe it's the, that super ego. If you go back to like psych 101, maybe they're all super egos and they think that nothing starts until I get there anyway. So I'm good, but... <laughs> You know, we all be the devil's advocate here and jump in and say, you know what, I am also too, I, I'm not a millennial, I'm not a Gen Z, but I'm of the mentality that if I can get the work done and, and there's no, there's no issues on the work that's happening, why is it not okay that maybe it takes one person nine hours in a day to do the same thing that it takes me to do, that takes me three hours, right? For so, sure. so, so I'm, you know, I'm not as, you know, oh my goodness, you're a minute late. I'm more of, okay, if you're not getting your work done or we have some, we have some issues with productivity, then that's a conversation and maybe we need to talk about getting here on time, but if all those other things are falling into place and you're just faster and better at doing this than me, then good for you. Right. But I think you need to have that conversation, right? Like, yeah. and maybe the conversation is, all right, I don't care if you show up at your desk at 807 when we start our work, like the office opens at 8. I'm good with that, but you're not going to show up a minute late to a client Zoom call. You're for not going to sure. show up two for minutes sure. late to a staff meeting because those things are important to me. So I'll, I'll appreciate where you're coming from, but you better appreciate where I'm coming from here too, right? Yep. Boundaries, setting expectations. For, for sure. sure. Thank, thank you for Sharing, you're not a Gen Z, you're millennial, Cheryl. Cheryl's better with him than I am. Scott. I um, uh, <laughs> full of here. Um, hey, Scott, you lead uh, a program at one of Canada's top schools, digital marketing. We've had the opportunity to hire some great students out of there. Our average tenure, by the way, is over eight years, which says something to, I think, our culture and the talent of the kids, our young people. If you're an employer, like I go directly to you rather than go through just all these job boards. Maybe you can make yeah. a suggestion to employers on how to maybe shortcut to go to the coach and say, hey, you know, what have you got in terms of inventory? Because I can tell you in the U.S. market where most of our clients are, recruiting is a big challenge. And so what do you suggest there from a, a professor perspective? Yeah, you know, and, and no matter where uh, anybody who's listening is at, there's, there's a local university or a local college, something probably in your city or your town or fairly close. Um, I would say, you know, especially uh, good sales marketing people, just reach out to someone inside that organization. Like go to their website, find out who the professor of the sales class is that you want to get involved there, who the associate dean is, or who the program coordinator, find somebody, reach out, make contact, and just express that desire to get involved. And involvement can be a bunch of different things. Like we love it when uh, external, we, you know, we think part of our job at the college is to make people that are going to be successful in their careers and successful in our local environment and our community. And networking is kind of part of that. And so we want them to 
see what other businesses are out there and, and maybe find job offers and stuff like that. So we love it when local businesses want to come into our classrooms. And when someone reaches out to me and says, Hey, I'd like to get involved. I might come back to them and say, how would you like to be a guest speaker on a topic in this course next semester? And guest speakers are fantastic, right? Because, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes my students view me as the, the old guy that doesn't know too much. And, you know, I laugh because I can make a comment about something or, or talk about some, some, something going on. And the next week I bring in a guest speaker and they say the exact same thing I said. I'm like, you can see my students going, oh yeah, that's important. I see that. That's great. And I think I told you that last week, but never mind. <laughs> you know, so guest speakers are great, right? It just kind of widens their horizons, gets them thinking a little bit differently. Um, we have like mentorship programs that we're always looking for business leaders or people in our local community to get involved and mentor students. And they would meet with the student throughout the semester. Um, we do, and other schools do this type of thing too. We have a, what we call our PAC group, which is program advisory committee. And Rick has been our chair of our program advisory committee for the marketing programs for three or four years now, I think. Right, Rick? There's a, lot, of, there's a lot about the caliber of the committee. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an awesome. So our, our program advisory committee, for those people that don't know or aren't familiar with that, it's like our external focus group. So we get together like once a year with kind of 15 or so industry professionals. And we, you know, we talk to them about these are the courses we offer. These are the skills our grads have. What, what are we missing? What do we need to do differently? What, what software do they need to know? What should we forget? What, and it's fantastic because it drives our courses, drives our curriculum to make that program the hands-on experiential program that's really preparing them for what industry all, is demanding. All joking aside, like you, you folks at Fanshawe, and I don't want to do a commercial necessarily here, but you, you folks have been extremely proactive with what the industry is saying. We're going this way. And in technology, the wind blows this way today, that way tomorrow. And I think as a result, like the Fanshawe graduates, like there's so much more ahead, I think, of what I've seen anyway from other uh, schools applying. Yeah. Hey, Scott, my last well, question. You know, can I finish with one thought there, Rick? Yeah. And then if you have a job posting or job description, share it with that program coordinator that you've made contact with. I, you know, there's, there's things I do in my job. There's, you have some moments with students that are failing courses or not doing well that are rocky, but I love it when I get an email from one of my students saying, hey, I just got hired by this company or this organization. Like it warms my heart. It makes me feel that we're doing something right. So yeah. share that stuff with me and we'll share it with our our kids that are just graduating or hitting the street kind of thing? I think what most employers miss, and I say this with all the respect, is we post these job on, on job boards, digital mediums, but we don't go directly inside the hen house and go to the lead one and go, hey, who have we got in here that fits this profile? And to your point, you can go boom, 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 based on that niche role. Um, my last question would be, okay, so if you, you know, uh, give us some insight quickly on, I'm, I've got some Gen Zs applying for a position. Any suggestions on screening them, Scott? Because you're doing, dealing with them every day. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, again, that technology is important. And I, but I also think you need to think about your customers and your clients and how you do things. And, you know, if, if, if part of the role is engaging with your clients on the phone, use the phone, some sort of phone screening or phone interview to see, do they, can they carry on a conversation? Are they articulate? Do they have a voice I can understand on the phone? If, if engaging with your clients is through Zoom or Teams or WebEx or whatever, have a Zoom interview to see, do they conduct themselves appropriately? Like we do some of these sales pitches and stuff like that in, in one of our courses and students have to do these types of things. And I can, I could share like stories and stories of funny, funny examples where students, you know, they're in, you can see the Iron Maiden poster over my back shoulder kind of thing. Or one time we actually did this, Rick, a student was doing an interview and Cheryl, Rick was, a uh, student was doing an interview and you could tell they were sitting in the dining room. They had like a dining room window behind them. And literally in the middle of this mock interview or sales pitch they were doing, a car pulls into the driveway. The Domino's pizza guy gets out of the car, walks <laughs> to the front door. You hear the doorbell ring and you hear their roommate buying a pizza. And you're going, really? That's going on? So, you know, if it's the technology, use that technology as part of your screening process, right? Um, and I think it's, you know, because they want that social gratification, instant gratification, they want to know what the organization does and why they do it and where my role is, that whole questioning process or asking questions is vital. So you need to ask them good questions, but I think you need to turn it around and throw it back to them and give them adequate time to ask 
whatever they want about the organization, not the standard two or three interview questions that they're probably not, but say to them, I got 20 minutes, ask me whatever you want to know about our organization, because this is your opportunity. It's like, I had a boss in industry that used to say, it's kind of like, you know, the interview is kind of like going to the doctor, right? You have to kind of open the robe to get good value or good advice back, right? So I'm, you know, in that interview process, say, I'll open the robe kind of thing, ask me whatever you want to ask me about the organization, because it's got to be a good fit for us. For sure. Scott, thank you so much. And I always say um, towards the end of the interview to any candidate, I say, look, this is an interview for us to see if you're a good fit, but also to see if you, if you think we're a good fit for you. So this is as much your interview as it is mine open to anything that you want to have a conversation about. And, and I'm always usually pretty surprised by some of the, some of the questions and the thought that went in to some of the questions that they have. Thank you so much for coming on today's show. Um, Rick, did you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Just one quick question here. Okay. Cause Scott, I just want a percentage of you if I can, cause your point about using technology to screen is so important. What percentage of students in online learning show their face in the meeting, have their camera on? Oh, so, you know, it depends. Some professors will ask students to put their just cameras on. Yeah. But it's not a requirement. It's uh, private. Fanshawe has told us based on privacy, they don't yeah. have to turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. If I ask my students, most of them will turn it on, but I okay. generally don't, I don't okay. ask. I'm going to say it's less than 50%. Okay. Because I just find that uh, today's business needs to be conducted, especially sales and marketing face-to-face. -face, and that's a, a great test and suggested in Zooming. So in summary, show diversity, use technology. Cheryl's done a great job, by the way, Scott, of actually helping our clients create video tour of the facility because the Gen Z's tell us, I want to see inside digitally before I get there. Your website's so important. You mentioned they're going to sniff you out to see if you're technical. So if your social media, again, is still saying happy Thanksgiving two years ago, right? The Gen Z may spook and go away. And lastly, I thought your point about flexibility of schedule is really important, even though 8.30 is start time. But hey, Scott, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, joining us today and for uh, you know what you're doing to help our company with the awesome graduates coming out of the Kindle School of Business. Um, great interview today and some great takeaways for business leaders. Thanks so much, buddy. Great. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. And thank you to all our viewers. We'll see you next week on This Marketing Show. Thank you.